The time has come. It's finally upon us. The three of us need to discuss our feelings, having played No Man's Sky over the last couple of weeks. Federico, I know that you weren't uh, you weren't with us last time. You were on your vacation, yeah. so I'm wondering how much time have you actually spent playing No Man's Sky now? Yeah, not a lot. And um, in fact, it's quite ironic because I got the game, a physical copy of the game, a few days ahead of the public release. And I feel like sharing that picture kind of jinxed me because then I wasn't able to play the game at all because I went on vacation and then I was busy with the with my iOS 10 review. And I would say I put uh, six or seven hours into the game, less than 10 for sure. So not a lot, not a lot. But you have maybe played enough to build an opinion? Yeah, I okay. think so. And I hope so. <laughs> Shahid, I guess it's maybe between me and you as to who's played the most. I mean, I have no idea how how long I've played, but I'm going to guess maybe in the 25 to 30 hour region, maybe a little bit more. Oh, you've definitely played more than me. I've played about the same as Federico. But you've got to remember, I'm in a line of work where I make judgment calls on games after having played them for three minutes. Yeah. Which sounds absurd, I know. But yeah, I got I got reasonably okay at that over the years. Yeah, it's what you um, do for a living. At a exactly, time. exactly. But no, I've played this one for about six, seven hours. And for me, that is an extraordinary amount of time uh, to put into a game. Because I measure every single day that I spend you know, down to the nearest 15 minutes. It's all planned out, you know, it all starts very early, ends very late, and there's almost no space to squeeze anything. So despite the demands on my life and despite working ridiculously hard on my own game lately, I have managed to find six or seven hours for it. And here's the thing, I'm going to continue to find time for this for a very, very long time. Okay. So I'm going to talk about how I feel, considering I've had the most time with this game. So I think the clearest way that I can describe No Man's Sky that makes the most sense to me is like adult Minecraft. And the reason I say that is because of my approach to the game. My play of, of No Man's Sky reminds me a lot of my the way that I played Minecraft. In that there isn't really a game to play. Right there, there isn't a story so much that you're following. There is definitely more of a here's a thing to aim at, here's a thing to go to than there is in Minecraft. Like Minecraft has this end game, but it's never really laid out how you get there. But with No Man's Sky, at least you have like you know you have on the map you have these places that you can go to, and you kind of pick up the Atlas thing, or you can go to the center of the galaxy or center of the universe, and these are things that you can aspire to get to but the way that i've been playing the game reminds me of how i played minecraft and i play my own game so i go out and decide a thing that i'm going to do and i go and do it so that might be like as it is currently i'm trying to save up enough resources then i'm i'm using my warp drive to get to other galaxies and then i'm selling all of my resources to try and save up enough money to buy a ship I want mm-hmm. to upgrade my ship. And the way that I've decided I want to do that is to buy one. I want to buy a ship from someone. So that's just a little goal that I set for myself. But previously, like my goal was, oh, let's go over here and explore this. Or I'll get into a system and be like, okay, I want to go and land on this planet and look around and walk around. And, and oh, I'm just going to go and check out all these different things. And I'm kind of making up my own game for it. Now, I wonder, 
if either of you have even had this kind of feeling yet because you've maybe not put as much time into it. So, like, you, you know, there is a bit of variation in this game. There are, when we'll, we'll touch on this, there are things that you do quite often. You know, there isn't a, a ton of variation in what you're actually able to do. So maybe both of you are still in the early stages where that repetition hasn't kind of forced you into either deciding how to play the game your own way or stopping playing, as it has for some. Yeah, I feel like I've been... I haven't been following like a precise path um, because even the game is pretty much open-ended in the sense that it tells you, you know, uh, here's this giant, you know, universe. Uh, you should follow these points of interest to proceed with the quote-unquote story. But I feel like I've been prioritizing exploration and not following those few suggestions. Yep. So I've, I've also been collecting, you know, resources... Uh, and you know, trying to unlock upgrades for the multi-tool, um, mm-hmm. and also because I want to buy, I also want to buy a ship. So I feel like uh, I've just been lost in this, in the universe, and trying to, you know, trying to to explore, trying to name discoveries, and I, uh, I feel like that's the 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 best part for, uh, of No Man's Sky for me is that you you don't have to follow. You know, it's not a game on. You know, there's no track to follow, uh, or at least not in the traditional sense. Uh, you can just explore a planet, and and I feel like the 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 saying that No Man's Sky is like a uh, Minecraft for for grown-ups. That's a very apt, um, you know, analogy because I feel like the, the reasons why I could never get into Minecraft are also the reasons why No Man's Sky is so appealing for me. Because I find exploring No Man's Sky relaxing. So, based on those few hours that I put into the game, the feeling that I got was, this is the perfect game for me to relax after a day's work. So, when, I, when I'm done writing, when I'm done you know, doing email, whatever it is that I do... I can just sit down for a couple of hours with No Man's Sky and there's the universe waiting for me. There's no story. I don't have to I don't have to be focused. I can just be surprised. And that's you know, just jumping on my spaceship and going from planet to planet. I mm-hmm. feel like that's been the best part for me. But also I'm afraid because I don't know yet that maybe that that effect will sort of fade uh, as I keep playing more and more. So there, there is a feeling um, like when I was initially playing the game, like my first week or so, all I wanted to do was play No Man's Sky, right? And it was all I thought about. It was one of those types of games, right? Once I started, I just wanted to play it constantly, and I don't have that feeling anymore. I don't have the feeling that I have to play it, but it's a game that I am still enjoying to turn on and play at the times when I have space for a video game. So I'm not finding, I'm not forcing time for No Man's Sky now, but I'm using the time that I have to play games to play that one, if that makes sense. So the the initial excitement has rubbed off, and I think that that is based on the fact that the variation, the, the lack of variation is is a is a struggle. Shahid, I want to know what you think about this this lack of variation thing. I mean, I don't know how much, if anything, you knew what the game was going to look like when it came out, and you know what your feelings are about it now, having been out. Because um, this is this is a common uh, 
thing that's brought up. Not necessarily a complaint, you know, because I say it doesn't really bother me too much because I'm really enjoying the game that it is. But I might feel, and we all might feel, everybody might feel differently about it if it was more varied. One of the things that has really been a central feature of many AAA games over the last, I'd say, 10 plus years is this tradition of really big set pieces that capture a lot of attention. Yeah. Huge wow moments. And No Man's Sky definitely isn't about those. It has its own wow moments, though. Like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, like, there are times where I land on a planet and it's like, oh, my God, but it's not established to be that way. That's just the maths have given me that. Exactly. So it's not... the, the, The term I was struggling to reach for was set piece. Okay, so you don't have so many of these obvious set pieces. Oh, I've reached this critical point. I've achieved a number of goals on my checklist and therefore I'm entitled to this set piece, right? And the set piece is fabulous and suddenly you're in a new environment. You're doing a completely new set of things, new mechanics and so on. That isn't No Man's Sky for me. No Man's Sky for me was always about exploration, pioneering, subtlety, nuance. And the universe is like that. I mean, there is so much that we don't know. But yet there is an awful lot that we know. We know which elements there are. We're discovering maybe one or two here and there from time to time. But by and large, we know what the universe is made of if we're discounting dark matter. We know that planets are generally spherical. We know that given an extreme of temperature variations, you'll get different types of climate, different types of surface features and so on. And I find that reflected in No Man's Sky. And so for me, the thing that I really appreciated about it is is that I get wow moments in a different way. For me, it's when I stepped up to a ridge and underneath there's a cave and it's red and it's got this weird fauna that I've never before seen in my life. And here's the thing. What I always loved about this game was the idea that I could be the only person who, who was ever going to lay eyes on a planet. And so the the way I look at things when I first see them, when they first surprise me, Nomad Sky, gives me that feeling, you know, the hairs in the back of my neck go up because it's not like, oh, they did this for me. It's like, they don't even know they did this. You know, they were hoping that they would create something that would create this experience. But for me, I get a tremendous sense of, oh, my God, nobody but me has ever seen this before. This is this is incredible. And I appreciate the environment so much more. So for me... It has been very much about exploration. I don't mind going on long treks. You know, I'll see that there is a point of interest 15 minutes walk away. And you know what? I'll ignore it. But I'll just carry on walking and I'll look at stuff and I'll use my jetpack. And the thing that I find frustrating, actually, I know this sounds absurd to become such a, um, I I guess, a crucial part of the the cycle of the game mechanic is just maintaining the life support system. You know, just I know what you need to do to do it. But really, I just want to look around. I want to wander around, scoot around. You need to find the right planets. I mean, there are some planets where you don't need to do it, right? Yeah, and they're the ones that maybe you spend more time on. I want to. I want to play devil's advocate a little bit, though. Like, and and I agree that there is there is definitely stuff to explore. But at a certain point in No Man's Sky, all you're doing is exploring for the same end result. So there, you know, if you if you want to go to that space station. Or if you want to go to that building that's on the planet to get that thing, 
it's going to be the same interaction, sometimes the exact same text, and the same thing that you're going to do. You either have to solve a very simple math puzzle or you have to have learnt enough language to try and understand what the computer wants you to do and you then get a blueprint for it. Or you're talking to an alien. Uh, you have, And again, same kind of idea. Solve some sort of puzzle, guess what they want from a multiple choice, you get some kind of blueprint from it. Like these things, they... They go around and around, you know. Oh, you go to a new planet, there are a new universe or a new galaxy. Sorry, there are there are two different planets here. There's a moon and there's a space station. And on the space station, you can either get a jetpack upgrade, uh, like an exosuit upgrade, or you can go and sell some stuff. And there's some stuff behind one of the doors, but you don't have the key for it yet. Next univ- next galaxy, and if your feeling of playing this game is you want to go out and kind of like you have like the completest nature or you want to advance as quickly as possible. I think if that's the style of game that you like to play, you are going to get frustrated and bored of No Man's Sky very, very quickly because it doesn't have a lot of in the way of varied gameplay. It's not just about the set pieces. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, that's that is a trend. That's something that people are looking for and they're not going to get it. But, you know, it felt like at least in the build-up to the game, the way that it was being described in the very vague terms that Sean Murray decided to use was that there was going to be more to this game. And, and, and what it appears is that some of it just wasn't ready and it will be coming later. But the game still came out. The game still came out at the price it was always going to come out. And now people are upset because they were expecting more. Yeah, I, th- that's interesting to me. Like, how d- how does this kind of thing happen? Uh, and, and I'm not making any accusations. I'm just intellectually curious to know how y- you can go from, you know, showing a certain amount of features and knowing that, you know, game development today is basically out in the public. It's not like it used to be 20 years ago. Maybe you show a bunch of screenshots on a magazine and you give, you know, press people a couple of photos to print it out on a magazine and then maybe three years later the game comes out and features are different and people don't even remember because they have to go look back on the magazine and it's not as easy as it is today. Today, people keep track of everything, whether it's YouTube trailers or screenshots or demos, interviews, people make catalogs of features for games they're really into. So what, Shahid, and I guess I'm asking this to you, it must be super difficult to make this kind of judgment call and to say, I I know we show this, you know, uh, specific feature of the game and it's not going to be out uh, in in the first release. But do you think Hello Games should have known should have foreseen this kind of backlash, maybe? I think there were an awful lot of people, an awful lot of people who go well beyond the traditional video games audience, but certainly including the video games audience, who were expecting the Jesus game. <laughs> if you'll pardon the expression. <laughs> sure. They, they vested a lot of hope into this game. That I think Sean, at several occasions, expressed very openly his discomfort with. I've got to stop you there, <laughs> because there is there is a there is a thing about this which I understand, which is like that's a lot of pressure to put on you. But when your pitch of the game is this is the biggest game that has ever been made, you know it creates itself. You've never seen anything like it. You know when you're giving out facts like there are planets bigger than our planet. 
the universe is to scale. Like you are building the Jesus game, right? Like you are hyping it to previously unforeseen levels. And I know that it's tough when then people are expecting that of you, but I really don't think that they could have been surprised at the fact that people had overly high expectations for what No Man's Sky was going to be. No, I don't think so either. Uh, and and I'm not I'm not suggesting for a second that Sean wasn't aware or that Hello Games weren't aware of the expectation that was being built around it. But what I'm saying is, I think he was on a hiding to nothing, the whole team were on a hiding to nothing in terms of delivering on the wildest of those expectations. Sure. Because as soon as you get something like this, something that's unusual, something that's unique, something that's trying to do things that other games are not doing, then of course there's going to be some disappointment in some quarters. Of course there are going to be some expectation mismatches and no matter what you try and do as a developer it's going to be very hard for you to communicate that because you're not going to say well you know as a developer you're never going to say the game's not that good it's (laughs) it's all right (laughs) (laughs) no you're going to say for for this the best you can say is for a certain type of audience this is absolutely the perfect game but you know I, i remember uh watching sean say a few times that it this is not the game for you if you're expecting a certain type of multiplayer uh, and that kind of thing. So, But I have to say, at that point, I think the hype machine was almost entirely self-driven. Yeah, it was out of, out of control at that point. Out of control, completely. So has the game lived up to the hype? This is a really... This is a question that I have been uh, racking my brain on. And I think it's... Yes, asterisk, No. I think mm. that it depends on what you were expecting, right? No Man's Sky, for me, lived up to what I was expecting it to deliver. Um, because they were so cagey about gameplay mechanics for the entire development, I wasn't expecting anything mind-blowing. And all I was coming to this game for was something I've never seen before in an unbelievably huge gameplay environment. That was kind of what I was coming to this game for, and I, my, my whole feeling was I can't wait to explore the world that is being created. And so for me, it lived up to my expectation, right? That This is what I expected. But I don't think overall the game has been able to live up to the hype. And there are a couple of different levels for this. There is a level of hype that no game could ever live up to. It doesn't matter if this was the most perfect video game ever created. The hype was too big. It was too big. Um, and and it got bigger with every moment, right? With the multiple showings of the game, the showings mm-hmm. of the game on like television shows, the fact that Sony picked this indie game and put it in a box and put it on the shelf, right? Like all of this stuff built the game up to a hype level that it never could have uh, achieved for you know for some people and i think that on a more realistic level the game didn't live up to d- people's ideas of what an actual video game should be and i think that it's part unrealistic in expecting that every game should be the same way but it is also i think part in there just being a a lack of gameplay mechanic that I don't think was expected. Um, I, I, I don't think even that, no Ma- that Hello Games expected to necessarily release the game with what it's got. And I think what they've done is they've built a world, right? They've built a really solid world, and that was what they were focusing on. And then they can add stuff later. But 
my feeling would be that there was supposed to be more traditional game in this than what we have. Shay, am I maybe barking up the wrong tree? I don't know. Well, I've not been at PlayStation for a while, so I, I, you know, I, I can't comment on what's been happening in the lead up to release, and uh, obviously, proprietary can kind of restricts me from saying too much about what happened before but we we have discussed what i could discuss about it before anyway um i don't think what anything that you said is unfair i do think the expectation was wild i think everybody realized that it was impossible to fulfill the wildest of those expectations but let's step back a bit and let's look to see what has been achieved it has definitely polarised the gaming audience. I think one of the things that's come through very strongly in a lot of reviews I've read is that some reviewers absolutely love it, but only after they get into the flow of the game, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to make it what they think it should be. And when you get into the rhythm of the game, and for me, I've always been in tune with the rhythm of the game and it's intense and so yeah. on. But I am clearly in the rhythm of the game. You are. Right? Right. I just let it wash over me and yeah. see where I ended up going. And it sounds like Federico's in that rhythm too. And in that sense, it works really well. Is it a really promising 1.0? I would say it's definitely delivered there. The other thing it's achieved with that polarization is answer the question, can... Can a game created by a small independent studio create the same amount of noise as a game created by a large AAA studio? And the answer to that has been an unequivocal yes. In both mm-hmm. good noise and bad noise. Of course. <laughs> but, but that's what polarization does. Yeah. It creates story. Okay, So there, there are some really good stories about this game that at the moment, sadly, are being drowned out by some of the negative stories. There are a few in-between stories but for me, the most amazing thing about the whole thing is that it has sold extremely well, way better than I think anybody expected it to do. And as far as I'm aware, most of the people playing it are happy with it. I wouldn't say that the entire audience is ecstatic and that they have got their Jesus game, but I would say a significant subsection of that audience is very, very happy with it. I'm certainly, I mean, from a customer point of view, this is a game that I wanted, but from a privileged perspective, I knew that this was a game that Sean wanted to work on with his team for many, many years to come. So just as Destiny, for example, is way, way better now than it ever was at launch, you know, because it was so empty at launch. I remember I was um, one of my colleagues uh, back in my PlayStation days had played the played Destiny for about a week and was bored of it. I, I have tried Destiny. I played it for a couple of hours and I couldn't stand it. It's right. just not my game. I mean, in his case, he's he's an amazing gamer. And I think he put in something like 40, 50, 60 hours uh, in, you know, in a week. And that was it. He was he was done with it. But what happened was they kept improving it, kept improving it, kept improving it. And he came back to it and played it some more. And I suspect the same will happen here. We haven't got a game here. I mean, just because a game has got an, uh, a tall intents and purposes, an infinite playground, doesn't mean that people should be expecting infinite playtime. I think that was unrealistic. But there is substantial scope 
to add elements, to add mechanics, to add features, to add surprises, uh, to add a whole bunch of things in a very careful, staged way that will continue to make the game excite people like me and excite hundreds of thousands of other people who are enjoying it. And I, I, I really hope that in a year's time, we're going to be looking back and thinking, hmm, that was an interesting start, polarized people, but wow, look at where the game is now. So you still feel that like even after everything that's going on, and we'll talk a little bit more about this backlash in a moment, that No Man's, that no Man's Sky is going to continue to be developed, Halo Games are going to continue to work on it, continue to build it, put more expansions in, maybe some DLC in? Today's episode is also brought to you by Igloo. Work is no longer a location. Teams can be half a world away. Igloo is a modern intranet designed to keep everyone on the same page. You can share files, have real conversations in real time, and do it all while still being able to use the apps you currently love. Apps like Box, Google Drive, and Skype. Igloo brings everything together and creates a single destination that lets you focus on getting your work done. Put simply, Igloo is an internet you'll actually like. Try it today at igloosoftware.com slash remaster. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show and Relay FM. So the backlash for No Man's Sky has kind of resulted in people demanding refunds on the game. And I think these refunds are coming from different worlds. People that are unsatisfied with what they thought they were getting, people that are unsatisfied even when they've got what they thought but with the game not working properly. There were some severe problems with the PC version, right? Like, it's just not working in a lot of instances. I mean, there was clearly something happening with with the PlayStation version because there was a day one patch that was like, you must install this because otherwise there's no point playing kind of thing. Uh, which seemed kind of strange. So there was definitely some some bugs there and some some gameplay issues and glitches, which, and I get that, right? Like, if you've bought the game, the game doesn't work, you should get a refund. Like, that's not on you at all. It's nothing to do with your opinion. You know, like, if, if you buy the game on for your PC and it doesn't work for you, I think a refund is more than warranted if you then just don't want to be interested in it anymore. But there are people that are frustrated with the scope, as we've spoken about, you know, we've spoken about how, you know, people are hoping for more than they ever could have gotten. Or even, you know, they there are things that were kind of hinted at for the game and the mechanics and the way that it would be played that haven't materialized yet. But there are also just issues with the game. And I know, Federico, that you have some. And, and, this, and I think everyone that I've spoken to has had this kind of feeling about the way the game begins. Yeah, I mean, managing the inventory is super annoying. Like, you're yep. constantly having to juggle between your exosuit and the spaceship. And yep. between the, even the spaceship doesn't, doesn't have an unlimited inventory. No. So you gotta always decide how to, how to, you know, drop items to collect new ones. But it's, it's so difficult for me because one, I think, I, and I think this is a, mistake that is common to many many video games the interface design of the inventory menu like the the actual software design is bad so it's it's hard to to understand what a how you can you can move objects how it's not clear if you can stack objects there's no indicator to tell you look on a single slot you can you can have x number of the same items and the the fonts are too small uh, even if you know I, I assume games are designed for like 12 year olds who sit in front of the tv but as soon as you move a little just further back from the tv i cannot figure out how to make the font bigger but anyway managing the inventory is super time consuming and annoying and also 
the constant, you know, error, not even error messages, but the constant reminder that you, the life support thing is decreasing. Like, it feels like, I just want to have a good time. I just yeah. want to walk on a, on a planet. And it seems kind of strange that with all this complex technology, like you have an exosuit, spaceship, hyperdrive, you can travel galaxies, but <laughs> you cannot keep your life support thing going for more than five minutes. Seems like something that a, an advanced civilization should figure out. The exosuit thing, the, the life support thing, it might just be the planet that you're on. There are some planets where it will last for an hour. There are some planets where it doesn't have any problem at all and your life support is fine. This is one of the funny things about dropping you into some random world is who knows what one you're going to end up in. And you may currently be on a toxic a planet with a toxic atmosphere. But there are other planets that you will go to in other systems where it's not an issue at all. And also, you can get upgrades for it later, but this is, you know, the upgrades thing aside, it's like it's just it just depends on where you are, right? Mm. But unfortunately, if you are in that place on one of your first planets, you're not going to have a great first play because all you're doing is just managing your life, right, through your inventory and then managing the exosuit and managing all of the life support systems before you've even got to actually truly explore the game. And that is just an unfortunate side effect. Um, I think it would have maybe been interesting, and I don't think that this is the case, if everybody got dropped onto like a fixed planet, right? Like your first planet was like the best planet they could drop you on, you know? And I don't know if they did that. I don't think that that's what's happened here. But, you know, like there was the, the first planet that you get dropped on has a certain amount of things which will help you get through. Uh, maybe they do. and Maybe they've decided that they did want to, like, drain your uh, life support system to kind of give you the idea that that's what's going to happen. But it can it will change and, and different planets are different things. I have to agree with the inventory thing. I think this is one of the biggest things that they messed up on. I don't think you start with enough slots in your suits and, and in your ship. I think there's way too much focus on inventory management in the beginning of the game. As the game goes on, it gets easier because you can purchase upgrades to your exosuit to get more slots and you can get different ships and different ships have more inventory slots available to them. So at the point that I'm at now, I'm very rarely having to manage my inventory because I'm collecting things up and crafting them into something or selling them before I end up filling up the suit. It's very rare that I fill up my inventories now. But it would be better if that wasn't so much of a focus initially, though you have to really focus on inventory management, because it's too minute and fiddly a thing to have to deal with when you're attempting to explore a universe, right? They're two completely polar opposites. It's like, let's dig down in some menus and press some buttons and read some text. Oh, and also, why don't you go and explore this infinitely created universe, right? They're, they're, two, they're on two polar opposites of each other. And I think it's stuff like that which like annoys people when they first play the game. So again, there are people that are looking for refunds with that. But then there are also people on, in another extreme who have played the game for like 50 hours and decided it's not for them, and then they want a refund as well. And I just want to touch on this for a minute because I'm interested in understanding our opinions on this. The argument that is being levied is No Man's Sky is an infinitely large game. So 50 hours of play on this game is proportionally like five minutes of play in a Grand Theft Auto game, 
right? So why should you not be able to get a refund? And I want to see, Federico, does that argument hold any water to you? I don't think it makes any sense to play a game for 15 hours and then ask for a refund. That Honestly, um, that kind of feels like, to me, my, my personal opinion, it feels morally wrong to enjoy something for 50 hours and or then ask for Or not enjoy it, right? Play it for 50 hours, right? They might, play, we can't play, say that they enjoy uh, sure, it. Sure, play it for 50 hours and then ask for a refund. It's like I go to H&M, I buy a T-shirt, I wear a T-shirt for five weeks and then i decide eh, you know this t-shirt doesn't really work for me and then i ask for a refund uh th- maybe that's even allowed by the law but to me personally i wouldn't do that because i would feel like a jerk you know yep Shahid. wow you're asking so the wrong person this question <laughs> but w- without trying to uh put my foot in it let me think about this one here's the problem we have the nexus of experience and product. Is a game a product or is it an experience? And does that become even more blurry when you talk about disc versus digital distribution? As a society, we're still working all of these things out. The question is, does the value that you extract, whatever value you want to place on uh, intellectual property, I don't know if you can do such a thing, but we do as a society, we're a capitalist society, and that's what we do. We ascribe some kind of value to intellectual property. Does the value that you extract change depending on whether you enjoy it or not? Because if you look at it from a pure product perspective, if you return something, and it's digital. Let, let's ignore the physical side for now, okay? And let's presume pristine digital copy. And you've returned it. Now, presumably, you've extracted whatever value you were going to extract from that, from that product or experience. And that's that. Whether you enjoyed it or not, you know, is the whole culture of entertainment that we've created, is it predicated on enjoyment? Because if it is, I've got a stack of... 500 CDs that I would like to return because they were all rubbish, whereas maybe there are 50 or 60 that I I listen to continuously, whereas the, the 500 I'm talking about, maybe I heard one track, but you know what? It wasn't for me. I didn't like it, so I didn't listen to the rest of it. Or the same with, um, with DVD collections or Blu-ray collections. You know, I have a whole stack of DVDs that I know I'm never going to watch because hey, you know, I watched a bit of them maybe on telly and I thought, you know, I'll get the DVD. I never put the DVD on. Should I be able to get my money back or has the value been extracted? I'm not saying that there is an easy answer to this. What I'm saying, actually, is that it's a very complex answer uh, and a very complex question. So my opinion on this, which is highly personal, but it's, it's based on struggling with this question for decades, is that with a video game, there are no guarantees that you will enjoy it. Even if the game is considered high quality by other people, you might not consider it high quality. That's a question of taste. So that's one, one angle. I think that if you've done that, if you've played a game for a considerable period of time and you're asking for your money back, I don't think that's right. But there's another question here, and that is if the product is faulty, in other words, if it crashes constantly and there's no hope of it being fixed um 
and you've played it for less than two hours or whatever. You know, I, I don't know what that number should be. And I don't think anyone really knows. I know Steam put a value on it of two hours, but I don't know what that number should be. Then if it's if it's faulty, then yes, you should return it and you should get your money back. Everything else, I think, is a sideshow. I think for, for me, this boils down to uh, very much a similar issue to the old days where people were able to rent video games for a short period of time and they'd extracted the value and what happened was that the the companies that were set up many many years ago to rent out video games were were given a price to purchase that for rental purposes you know not for sale purposes which would be higher than if they'd bought it on a wholesale basis for a traditional retail and the reason for that was simply they knew that they would be lending this thing out time and time and time and time again and they would be making a fair amount of money on it. We don't have that situation in digital. So I think it's really unfair, especially on on a creative endeavor, to say, well, I've taken all I can out of this. I don't think it's any good, and and so uh, I, I want my money back. Because as far as I'm concerned, the value, whether you enjoyed it or not, the value of that intellectual property at whatever price you agreed on has been extracted. And it's a really cold way to describe something that is essentially an experience. Do you th- does that answer your question in any way at all? Kind of. <laughs> I think so. My feeling about this game and about this kind of backlash thing is I think that there needs to be like a level that is understood as acceptable of I tried this and I didn't like it. So I I don't I don't I want to return it right like this wasn't what I expected it was a a game that was sold to me badly you know I don't know what that is maybe it's like half an hour right <laughs> you know I don't know what that is but I feel like there's something there which I can kind of latch onto a little bit right because it's people's money but I don't think that it is anything that should be substantial like it should just be like I put this in. This was not what I expected. Like, I don't want this anymore. Return it. I think that if it doesn't work for you, as I said earlier, you should get a refund. But the idea of somebody playing this game for a substantial amount of time, and that can be a couple of hours, you know, maybe four hours, five hours, there's no way they should get a refund on it. Like, you have consumed it. You didn't like it. That's life. You don't like every movie that you watch, right? But you've bought the cinema ticket, you're not going to get a refund on a cinema ticket. You either walk out or you stay there and watch it. Like It's entertainment. You're not going to love it all. But I think the people that are saying this argument of this 50 hours for infinite play argument, it doesn't, it doesn't hold any water for me at all. It doesn't make any sense. I just I cannot understand how this is seen to be an argument which could hold up. Like, But what if the game is crashing? Right, that's what I mean. If it's broken, if it's faulty... If no, what is... I mean is, what if the game is crashing, but you've played it for 50 hours anyway? It depends how bad. Like, so, if it's got to the point that you've played it for 50 hours, you've invested your time in it, and you're at a point now where the game is broken, like, you cannot play it anymore, then what? That is a really good question, because that is a difficult line, because... Now it's like I've put all this time in and now there is a bug in your code which is stopping me from playing this game. So either it needs to be fixed or, you know, I feel like there's that's a broken product, right? Like, is there a warranty on video games? But probably not. But, like, if I bought a TV and use it for 50 hours, 
and in like within two weeks and then the TV broke, I would take that TV back and get it fixed or get it replaced, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if it's a fault of yours in your code that is stopping me from playing the game that I have paid for, there should be some kind of something happening. Either you fix it or you give me some kind of compensation, right? Is that wrong? I, but like when I apply this thinking to other types of things where you have them for long periods of time, if they break, you get something. Either it's fixed mm-hmm. or you get a refund. I know that the, the, there have been issues with the PC version, but I, I honestly feel like the majority of people here, uh, you know, I've been going to Reddit and doing Twitter searches and YouTube to kind of see the reaction from people who are playing on Sky. And I feel like the majority of people don't have a technical issue with the game. They have a problem on principle with the fact that Hello Games promised some features and those features are not in the game. And my interpretation is that these people, at least the idea that I get, is that these people live for video games. It's almost as if by not having some features in No Man's Sky, you would guess, reading these comments, uh, I mean, I saw people saying, uh, my life is ruined uh, because No Man's Sky is not the game I was expecting it to be. And I get the feeling that these people, it's like you killed one of their brothers and sisters by not having some feature in a video game. It's a video game, and you know... Some people need to chill, and that we know because it happened before. But also, I, I don't understand how you can be so upset with a developer and to make... I, I've seen YouTube videos called Sean Murray is a liar or Sean Murray is an imposter. Like, why do you find the time to do that? Uh, because, look, I, I personally believe that Hello Games should have managed this better. Um because I've been on the end of a... And we all have been on that side of creating something for the internet. And we all know, whether it's a podcast or an article or you know, a video game, we all know how tricky it is to manage expectations, to manage over-promising and under-delivering and the other way around. And I feel like, it's my personal belief, that Hello Games should have done a better job. I don't know if it's Hello Games alone or if it's also Sony was involved in this, but I feel like not explaining what the game was going to be, not explaining a roadmap for the feature, surprising people with missing you know, features and problems at the very last minute was a mistake. And if, I were, if No Man's Sky was an article for Mac Stories, I would have done it differently. That said... It doesn't warrant that kind of reactions from people because some people are truly, uh, are truly messed up in the sense that to make those personal accusations on Twitter, on YouTube, in the comments, to call people, to call Hello Games thieves, I, I honestly feel like that's messed up. I mean, we could spend hours trying to understand why people feel the way that they do, but we're never going to get it because we just don't think that way. Like, and whilst, like, for my feeling, that is not the right way to be, but that's because I'm built differently as a human being. But I, 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 I mean, I agree with you, right? They, they, I feel like this is too far of an opinion to have, but it is an opinion that people have. And I guess you just have to deal with it in a way. I don't know. And the other thing is, by drawing attention to that particular opinion, they're kind of moving attention away from the vast majority of people who actually didn't 
necessarily find out about this game from Reddit or Twitter or or whatever. They heard about the game from much more mainstream outlets and as a result have been brought into video games. I mean, I've read story and heard story, you know, personal stories as well, time and time and time again from people who say that they bought a PlayStation for the first time in their lives just to play this video game and who have got back to me subsequently saying they're absolutely loving it. And for them, it's what they wanted. You know, they got exactly what they wanted. And I would say it's one of the reasons why the game has done so well. So when we talk about these issues, you know, we are focusing on, I would guess, a very, very vocal, but nonetheless, small minority of the people enjoying the game. And the other question I guess I wanted to ask was, how many of these people do you think are, because I don't know the answer to this, how many of these complainants are are on the PC versus on PlayStation? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. I would love to know that. I mean, I guess if it's if a lot of this is being focused around Steam, then we know where they are, but it's not exclusively Steam, but it seems like that's where a lot of the, the problems are lying. How many crashes have you guys had on PS4? I've had a, quite a fair few. Yeah. I haven't seen one yet. I've had just the one, and it was the very first time I played. And um, I have a friend of mine um, who actually is does plays these games for work. He, he like builds guides, game guides and stuff. And he's saying that in, you know he's obviously put in a lot more time, but has seen a ton more crashes than I had. So I don't think it's like a a thing that you can say, oh, there are X amount of crashes per hour to play because it seems like different people have different problems. But it is on PlayStation, I mean, I have seen them, but mm-hmm. it happens in all video games. You know, Uncharted mm-hmm. did this to me, so I'm not because it, it's not an excessive amount, but it has happened. Maybe I've had like six or seven in my time but i've mm-hmm. played it for say for i reckon about 30 hours at this point so i'm okay with it uh, so i guess the hype around the game has just brought even more of a magnifying glass to issues that yeah. exist in many games yeah 100 percent. this episode of remaster is brought to you by squarespace the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page website or online store start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code insert coin at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you. Because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. With Squarespace, you'll be able to build a site that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, with no coding experience required. They have state-of-the-art technology to power your site, they ensure security and stability, and they give you all of the tools that you need to make your site look and feel exactly how you want. They have beautiful templates that all feature responsive design to make sure that your site looks great on all sizes of device. These are just some of the reasons why Squarespace are trusted by over millions of people around the world. They have 24-7 support, a commerce platform, their own cover page system, and rock-solid fast hosting. If you want to stretch Squarespace even further, you can do that with their dev platform, and if you sign up for a year, you'll get yourself a free domain name as well. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month, and you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required, and start building your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use the code insertcoin at checkout. You'll get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for remaster thank you to squarespace for their support of this show and relay fm i want to ask you guys a question before we wrap up this episode how will no man's sky be remembered i think it's going to be remembered for its scale 
I think that once everything blows over here and the game continues to be developed, it's going to have a smaller audience than what it had initially. But I, th- you know, so but I think the game's going to continue, and because it had such a big launch, there are people going to keep coming back to it, right? And enough press around it that it will continue to get good press coverage going forward. You know, look at something like um, Assassin's Creed. When that game was first released, everyone was so excited for it. I'd never seen anything like it before. But the first game got bad reviews. But now it's turned out to be a massive, massive franchise, right? Because it got enough press at the start that people know about it and will keep coming back to it. And I think that's going to be the same for No Man's Sky. And I think it will be remembered for the game that was impossibly large. I think that's kind of going to be its legacy. Mm. In Snowman's Sky, the news and and I and I hate myself for asking this question. Is it the new spore? No. So I don't think so. This was a real problem that we had going leading up to this game. Spore mm-hmm. was just a categorical letdown of a game. Um, I'll put some links in the show notes to Spore if you're not familiar with it. But it was a it it was basically hyped in the same way, right? Impossibly, and it didn't live up to the hype in any way and i feel like whilst people are upset with no man's sky i would say that it has lived up to a substantial amount of its hype because there are people like me people like you guys and many people that i know that are playing this game and absolutely adoring it like there is there is a thing that i keep coming back to where i think the problem here is that no man's sky has reached too far outside of the people that it was intended for i think that it is a high concept game a high probably a high concept indie game that should have been a huge success but with gamers the problem with no man's sky is it hit the mainstream and it hit the mainstream gamer as well and maybe kind of like the more super super core gamer that like it wouldn't have hit before the call of duty gamer maybe Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it's hit everyone and I think that's where we're seeing some of these problems because it's people that expect games to be a different type of thing like there are huge indie titles right that have made people massively successful for example, like Braid right or you look at something like Super Meat Boy these huge indie games but they're still indie games right and I think that that's probably the, the level that No Man's Sky would have seen a more um acceptable life at like people will be more happy with it i think like on on the average but i think that it has hit too far and therefore it's it skewed people it skewed the kind of approval rating of the game because it's hit people that maybe this game was too let's say a like high concept for and doesn't have enough shooting in it and i'm not i'm not casting aspersions on anyone But I think it's just, just different types of games, you know, for different types of people. But I think that this game has hit the type of people that don't really typically play games like this. Yeah, I mean, if you were pitched as a, you know, as an indie title with without, you know, such a huge marketing campaign, uh, then it would have surprised people. And maybe the reaction would have been better because everyone would have been like, oh, this indie title actually lets you play in a universe. And it's pretty cool because it's all different. It's all procedural and it would have surprised people. Instead, it has been pitched as a triple A 
kind of title with the in playing in the same league of Call of Duty, you know, the, the, those types of games that people play in terms of expectation and in terms of anticipation. And instead, when it came out and it exposed some clear problems and some, you know, features that have been cut because of time, because of team size, because of budget, whatever it is, then people were like, oh, this is such a huge disappointment. And so I think... I think I want to give credit to Hello Games for two things. One is trying this crazy idea, and two is trying to go against the traditional expectation of what a small studio should be capable of doing at such a, such a huge scale. Maybe they flew too close to the sun. Maybe they didn't. I guess we'll see. You know, it, it's too early to know. We got to see... Is this, you know, a big launch that will fade quickly, or is it is it a game that's got legs? Can it can it go on for months and months with updates? Can it create a culture? Can it create a movement like Minecraft did? But there's a very clear difference with Minecraft that I feel like maybe could be a problem at least in the short term. Minecraft lets you build and lets you build universes, lets you build spaces, lets you build structures. No Man's Sky lets you destroy uh, to collect. And uh, I feel like building by virtue of being, you know, creating, creation can be less boring than destroying. And maybe Hello Games will introduce, you know, features to create, features to build something instead of just shooting rocks uh, in future updates. Right now, I don't, my personal feeling is that No Man's Sky cannot be the new Minecraft yet, but maybe it will. So we just got to wait. We have spent way too much of this episode talking about this stuff, right? And I think it is really interesting to discuss, and I'm happy we've had this discussion because I think this is the narrative around the game right now. But I have to finish the episode in saying some more about what I love about this game. Like No Man's Sky is one of my favorite games that I've played in the last 10 years. Because it has given me a gaming experience that I've never had before. So the closest thing to it would be Minecraft. But Minecraft didn't doesn't do for me what this game does. Like Minecraft gave me some, some shock and awe and it gave me some worlds to explore. But this game, like it surprises me every time I land on a planet and I see something new that I hadn't seen before. You know, or I see some kind of crazy alien creature. Or I go through a black hole and I smash into a spaceship and it makes me laugh because the spaceship was right there when I ended, when I finished warping. Or I get into a dogfight and get killed and have to and then very randomly just fly back through what would be my grave again, which I didn't even know was a thing, and collect up all my resources. Like these things are still happening to me, and I'm still happily jumping in my spaceship, flying around, collecting up some aluminium, warping to the next galaxy and selling it so i can buy that spaceship that i've got my eye on this is such an incredible game and it has it has the bones it has the skeleton of being the greatest game ever made but it's just got a little bit more work to get there but i think it can like if there were some really kind of interestingly structured campaigns built into no man's sky along with some like just additional mechanics to try and vary things up a little bit like the types of stuff that you can encounter like maybe little quests and stuff. This game is, will be everything that I've ever wanted. 
And honestly, I think that they can still do it. And as someone who has waited three years for this game, I'm not at all disappointed. Like, not at all. Like, I'm happy and I'm pleased that I waited for it. And I'm happy that I got what I wanted out of it. Like, this is the game that that I felt like I was promised. And one of the things that I think has helped me is I tried to stay away from a lot of the reporting of this game because I just wanted the bare bones of it so I could experience it later. So I, I think I did a good job of missing a lot of the stuff that's upset people, a lot of the things that aren't here that should have been here, you know, that were promised to be here. I've, I skipped over as much of that as I could and just watched the videos because I have that, you know. One of the things that was so crazy to me is I just expected oh, this is a multiplayer game with the rest of the world, I'm never going to discover anything, right? Like, everything's going to be discovered by the time I get there. That's how I think in my brain. But I have not landed on a planet that has been touched by another human. That's so incredible to me. Like, this game, I have an entire universe in my PlayStation now that I can jump into for a couple of hours every few days and explore, and it's kind of all I ever wanted it to be, and it's done that. 